Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is Beyond the Data with my friend, William Sandoval. How's it going, William? Hi, Joe. How are you? Good to see you again. (laughs) Good to see you again. So, William, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Sure. My name is William Sandoval. I'm the Senior Vice President of Product Management and Strategy for Powerfleet. I'm based out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina which is a beautiful part of the country. Actually, we're having incredible weather today. But our corporate headquarters is based out of uh, New Jersey. But Powerfleet is primarily in the tracking and asset management area. And we've been doing this uh, for over 20 years. So say that again. What is What business are you guys in? Yeah, so basically uh, Powerfleet is a company that provides solutions to logistic markets and vehicle markets. We track vehicles, but we've gone beyond just tracking you know, vehicles and assets, we actually are more into the data acquisition and, you know, data analytics, which I think is one of the things we're going to talk about today. Definitely, definitely. So before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you. I, I noticed that is not a Carolina accent you have. Where are you? <laughs> so tell us a little where did you, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Give us some career highlights before you joined uh, Powerfleet. Absolutely, Joe. So um, I actually was born in Central America, specifically Nicaragua. I actually came to the U.S. when I was about five years old. And, uh, you know, like most people from Latin America, I ended up in Miami, right? And I kind of did, you know, uh, the majority of uh, my childhood in Miami. But eventually, uh, I got my degree in electrical engineering, physics, and math. Woo! Yeah, decided that it was, uh, that it was an interesting... Where'd you go to school? I actually went to a very small school, uh, Florida International University. Oh, yeah, that's a good school. That's known for um, the international program down there, right? Yeah, actually, uh, when I went to school there, it was a very small school, probably about, you know, maybe eight to 10,000 students. And now uh, I heard it's over forty to 50,000 students. They got medical school, law school, and so on, which didn't exist back then. So I, I did my undergrad there. And then after that, I decided that it was uh, good to go after... Uh, you know, my MBA, and I did that as well there. But eventually, uh, you know, decided to leave Miami and, you know, uh, travel the world and join some of the, some very good companies uh, throughout my career. So, so when and why did you join Powerfleet? Well, I actually joined Powerfleet about a year and a half ago. Actually, I'm one of the, you could call it one of the newbies in, in the company. There's a lot of experience in the logistic, you know, side of the equation. But uh, I joined the company because of the transformation that we're making around the data, right, is uh, transforming it into something new. But my whole background is around uh, engineering and consulting. I started in consulting for many years, uh, designed power systems and communication systems, and eventually moved into manufacturing. And I've been fortunate to have worked for some of the largest companies in the world, worked for uh, Philips Lighting and Electronics. Oh, nice. Also worked for Honeywell, and I was, uh, you know, uh, involved in their software development programs uh, for frameworks, and eventually ended up with uh, Ingalls Rand, which most people in the in the country or the world know them due to the train brand, their air conditioning guys. So I spent a lot of time there with them, and eventually decided, hey, I wanted to try something new, and now I'm here at Powerfleet. Yep. So you mentioned you moved here when you were five from Nicaragua. What were your first impressions of 
uh, United States and Miami. <laughs> well, you know, it's a lot different, or it was a lot different than it is today. You know, it was a, it had that small town atmosphere, but you know, it was very uh, challenging moving to the U.S. You know, you don't speak a word of the language, and uh, you know, Spanish but, is the language down there, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, my my joke to people is that if you're going to go to Miami, you need to have your passport with you, right? But you're absolutely right. But back then, you know, you're talking late seventies. You know, the even though there was a Hispanic. You know, yeah, it wasn't uh, the majority. It was not the majority. That that's right. And uh, like like any immigrant, you you struggle with the language. But being a, a little kid back then, you know, you're a sponge. So I was able to pick up the language in weeks right. and probably months. much easier than your parents. Oh, absolutely. It took my parents, you know, several years to get there. But for us as as kids, it was uh you know easy. But uh, outside of that, you know, you're a kid. You find friends very quickly, and and you kind of you know evolve. Uh, I do remember that one of the things that was very surprising to me was learning about American football, right? You know, because you're used to <laughs> soccer. And, and I saw these guys hitting each other, you know, on football games. And I'm like, what are they doing, right? And eventually you learned and, you know, you kind of... If you're uh, in Florida, you, know, you got to like American football. You have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's, it's, it, it's, it's been a fantastic journey for me. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in the United States. You know, I, I still think it's the melting pot of the world and... You know, uh, and it's just an amazing hub for technology. And, you know, I love every minute of it. Yep. I, just before COVID, I was spending time down in Mexico. Oh, but first off, in Laredo and then Nuevo Laredo, but then out, down in San Luis Potosí. And what I thought was always interesting is, you know, you try and get to know your coworkers. So we were saying, what teams do you cheer for? And we were talking about the soccer teams because they were soccer teams down <laughs> in San Luis. And, and then it was always the Mexican people who said, Oh, I'm also a Jets fan. And then you guys, so I'm a Bears fan. And you're like, what? And it's amazing to me how much. And my sister lived over, uh, she lived in Mexico and Brazil for many years. And she said, she goes, they love American football down there. And I'm always surprised we don't have a pro team down in Mexico City. And, and by the way, also Toronto. Yeah, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I've been fortunate to, you know, lead teams in Latin America, Mexico, all the way to Argentina. With Ingo Sorvan, I spend a lot of time in Brazil, but you're absolutely right. You know, they when you ask them about sport, they start with soccer, and then you get this big surprise about how much football, American <laughs> right. football, they follow. And you know, and, and it, it was kind of weird because they knew more about it than I did in some instances. <laughs> you know, but it, it is a great sport; people love it, and I just think that uh, you know that 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 is just the U.S. continues to be. Uh, I think the place everyone wants to be, and they, you know, even though there's challenges like everywhere in the world, it's still the melting pot for me. I got to throw this out there because I feel very strong about that. I spent a lot of time in Mexico. I spent, I'll spend a lot of time in China and Thailand, Europe, of course. I feel like if there's one big opportunity we have is to work more with Latin America. So, by, by the way, this podcast today is going to be produced and edited by. My producer, Natalie, she works for Lean Solutions Group down in Brazil. I'm sorry, Colombia. <laughs> Maybe say Brazil. In Colombia. And they, they do the back office work for hundreds, I think over 300 logistics companies now. And I know they just opened a Philippines office. And after a while, they started getting good at the technology that we're all using. And so I think the opportunity for us is to start working with our Latin American neighbors, which we understand, and they're in the same time zones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that is a big key, is, is the time zone, right? And, um, you know, and there's always... Culture. A, a, yeah, culture. <laughs> there's always a little bit of a delay. You know, they look at the U.S. as the enablement area where they see new technology, and then they start to migrate. 
we have offices in Mexico, and I could tell you that our offices in Mexico are always looking for what we're doing in the U.S. so they could immediately try to emulate and utilize in Mexico because there's such a, you know, a, a difference in culture, but there's also a very big unity between the U.S. and Mexico, especially in the logistics side. Right. You know, it's so, so funny. I tell my kids this, and it's hard for them to, they're in their 20s, that I learned French when I was at school. I don't know it because I don't even know anyone to speak to in French. And, and w- people learn German. Only a few people learn Spanish. And you're like, gosh, why weren't we all learning Spanish? But <laughs> back then, we weren't doing a ton of business with Latin America. And... Now I feel like we're getting more and more to the place where I, th- I think uh, there's so many Latin American people here. Spanish is kind of be quickly becoming, I won't say, well, if English will be one, I think they'll be 1A. And I think that's good for all of us because we'll do more business that way. And it makes it easier. And I remember being in Laredo, all those meetings began in Spanish and then they they go, oh, you guys not understand? I was like, yeah. I understood a minute. I understood a minute of it. And they go, "We'll speak English." If you ever decide that you want to do a, a podcast in Spanish, you let me know. You know, I'm completely fluent in Spanish and Portuguese, and I'll be more than happy to do that. You know, because I think it will be a, a an interesting outcome to see what we get out of that. So, but again, thank you, thank you for inviting me, though, Joe. I appreciate you, Joe. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Natalie, I have to join us to uh, do the translation. So <laughs> let's talk about the today's topic, which is beyond the data with my friend William Sandoval. So you want to do this topic on beyond the data. What do you mean by beyond the data? Well, Joe, I, you know, like anything that the world has evolved and technology continues to evolve, right? And what was okay many, many years ago is not okay anymore. People want more, right? You know, you and I briefly talked about this in the past where, you know, PowerFleet as a company in the past was just a, a tracking device provider. Then we went into tracking the actual assets and the vehicles and the trucks, right? But the reality of it is that those are table stakes now, right? People understand that there's tons of data that is being collected by those devices. The transformational technology where vehicles themselves are just a computer now, right? They have right. tons of data. Right. So... Before you go any further, so you say you're tracking, but you're not the ELD type tracking where we put code in the ELD. You're the old school tracking, right? With what an actual sensor on an asset? Actually both, right? Because they do play a role into providing optimization for logistics. But you're absolutely right. You know, we provide both levels, right? We The, the device, which is connects to either a CAN bus or connects to some sensors in the vehicle and the truck. And we monitor those in real time and we send the data back to some back office where people are able to access it. So, yes, in, in some respect, we still do that level of work, but the world is expecting a lot more now. Yeah. What is the market segments that you track? What parts, what kind of things do you track? Well, we actually play across multiple markets, right? So, you know, we play with uh, the class one through five vehicles, which is primarily, you know, the standard, you know, delivery truck or the standard delivery vehicle or or fleet. We play in the class six through eight, which is the bigger trucks with the tractors and the trailers and the containers. And we also have a division that focuses inside the warehouse, right? tracking the, you know, the forklifts and the assets that are collected by those forklifts. So we actually go across all of those segments. And again, all of them have evolved and just tracking them will be able to provide some level of information per se to a customer 
it's no longer viable, right? We need to go way beyond that. So you called that table stakes. So back in the day when you guys started, let's just say 20 years ago, it would have been a big deal if you could say, I have 20 forklifts. I want to know that they're all in my facility today. I want to make sure none of them left, right? <laughs> That's correct. I could tell you that, you know, that, that was back then. Now we actually have customers that are saying, look, you know, the warehouse space is such an unsafe place, right? That I don't want to know just where my, my forklift is, right? I want it to stop, you know, so that it doesn't hit, you know, an object. I want it to stop when he sees a person that is crossing in front oh, of him. Man. By the way, do this in real time for us because ultimately that is going to save me a lot of money. But more importantly, it could actually save someone's life. So the, the, the idea of just tracking or giving you maintenance information about a vehicle, uh, whether it's a truck or a car or a forklift, is still part of what we deliver. But our customers are expecting a lot more, more not more. just from us, but from everyone in the market. Right. So again, getting back to it, you guys, will, you, you can help me better manage my forklifts, can be more efficient, more safe. But also my big rigs, big trucks, you do that for big companies. And then also, which is the newer, probably the newest segment, is this car, vans, trucks, those little sprinter vehicles that are doing the final mile stuff. That's correct. Basically, in the market, you know, most people will see this as an end-to-end solution, right? From where, you know, you actually pick up your asset, which could be in a warehouse. It goes into a long, you know, logistic truck, and then it gets delivered on what is called the last mile so from a perspective of customers, you know, us as consumers want to know when my item that I just bought left the warehouse, where is it in transit? And by the way, when is it going to be delivered to me? They want to see that seamless. So fortunately, we are one of the few players in the market that is able to do all of that. But it's not about just knowing that information. It's about what else can you do with it after the fact, right? which is kind of where the market is headed and where data is being transformed into more analytic-based type of information that could make changes in the market. Right. Yeah, so we, we, we're prepping. We were talking about this. Is That first thing, which you call table stakes now, was really innovative 20 years ago. Even five years ago was pretty cool that I could tell where all my stuff was with trackers. So I, somebody could go on, online and go, I know where all the stuff is, boss. Don't worry, we didn't lose anything today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and you could also tell them whether they were running on time, you know, for some of these locations. That's table stakes. So now they collect tons of data. And by the way, we've collected data for a while, but we didn't we didn't have the ability to look at that data and always do anything with it. It was like, here it is. I got a whole bunch of whole bunch of tables full of data. Now what? Exactly. And that, I think, is the big transformation that the market is taking, right, is collecting data, right? It's kind of like if you if you look at a maturity map, it's kind of what you said, right? First, it was, hey, I just want to know where things are at, right? And then it moved into, okay, now that I know where they're at, you know, what else, what other information could you give me? And we moved into giving them maintenance information and we gave them, you know, more information about the assets and things of that nature. But now with the world of, you know, AI, and machine learning, right? You're starting to see that analytics are taking the forefront of things, right? And analytics actually are described and segmented into four ways, right? There is what you call descriptive analytics, which is knowing what happened in the past, right? That's, we collect the data and we could tell the customer, hey, this is what happened to your truck or this is the route that you ran, a lot of historical information, right? Which was great at the time. It was great at the time, right? 
then we kind of all moved into what's called diagnost diagnostic analytics, which is about what is happening right this minute, right? It's knowing where that truck That's is. It's the real time. It's the real time, right? But now the world has moved into what you are hearing more about, which is predictive analytics, which is the predictive analytics is giving you most likely what's going to happen in the future, right? And that is great. But customers are saying, so what? What else can you do for me, right? And that is moving into what is called prescriptive now or prescriptive analytics, which is us as, you know, manufacturers giving that customer recommendations of things that they could do to prevent from something happening or to address, you know, the situation through some level of an action. That is really what customers are expecting. They don't just want data. They don't just want information. Right. They want you to tell them and recommend an action for them to run their business better, more, more efficient, operation safer, etc. Yeah. So if I could kind of summarize that for just a second, make sure, make sure I'm following you. So we've <laughs> got, you've, you described data in four ways. So the first chunk was descriptive. And that usually was telling me what happened, which was great at the time. Your, 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 your truck was late. I can tell you why. <laughs> Next is diagnostic, which is, I can tell you your truck's probably going to be late <laughs> based on where it's at today or that your your equipment needs, your forklift needs maintenance. Next, you're getting into this predictive, which is saying, hey, I can tell you where this is going to be at what time. And then last but not least is the prescriptive is telling me recommendations for the future to avoid all the problems that I might have seen in the past. That is correct. So I'll give an example of predictive, right? Predictive could be like, Hey, your truck has, you know, has, um, you know, run for 40,000 miles, right? We know that the, you know, brake pads of that, of that truck are lasting, you know, 50,000 miles, right? And based on your braking scenarios, you know, we see that your brake pads are going to need maintenance, right? That is what predictive is about, right? It's kind of giving you that. Prescriptive is getting beyond that, right? Right. Prescriptive is going into a scenario where you're going, it is taking you, let's say, 30 minutes to unload a truck. That means that predictively, we know that your trucks are going to be late leaving the warehouse. Our recommendation is that you add an additional forklift to your fleet or you add 10 more people so that you're able to avoid being late, right? That's the level of prescriptive analytics that our customers are expecting now. They want to be able to, for you to solve the problems, to use the machine learning and the AI and all this data we collect to make decisions easier for them. But, but the key there is that they don't want to be the ones taking all this data, analyzing it, you know, go through tens and thousands of spreadsheets and databases. They just want you to say, Hey, add two more people to your, you know, a third shift so that your trucks are going to be able to be loaded faster and they're going to be on time for their deliveries. That's what prescriptive gets into. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's what we want. And I, I, when we were prepping for this, I mentioned I saw an article where somebody kind of made the point that the data age is over, the information age is over, and then they said the new age is curated, and that's kind of what the artificial intelligence and machine learning is doing for us because we've had data for a while. It's just what you could hand it to me, and I'd go, "Yeah, thanks, William. This is a whole bunch of tables of information." I can't, my brain's not big enough to make those, to see trends in there, to see real opportunities for improvement. 
And now what we have is with AI and ML, we're able to, it's able to see things that the average human can't see. Yeah, and that is that's really what is I think is is driving things to the future, right? The idea of artificial intelligence is being primarily utilized for that either diagnostic or predictive set of info of data, right? Is is taking the intelligence that has been built in, looked at across a set of data, and being able to tell you exactly what's going to happen. The prescriptive starts to move into the machine learning, right? Which the algorithms are starting to actually learn patterns and things of that nature that are going to give you, you know, some result, which is going to turn into a level of action that you could take as a business, right? Right. And, and that is the key behind moving away from data to information to actionable information, right? I think that today the, the world is still, in many cases, I go to customers, you know, and they kind of are still in this diagnostic, tell me, you know, am I going to be late? Right. And that is almost stable stake also. Right. But when we start to talk about, look, this is how you should run your business. And these are the modifications you need to make in business because of the data that we're seeing that you're bringing in. That's a big differentiator of how they see companies now. Right. And I don't know if you can even mention them, but we, we talked about it before we hit record. You work with the big boys. You work with a lot of large retail chains that... um are kind of on the cutting edge of stuff. So <laughs> they ex- they're they always expecting the next great thing. That The next great thing for the average company is already being done at the big retailers. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that you know, unfortunately, I can't mention some of their names, but I could give you some of the use cases that we're seeing, right? As a matter of fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we met with one of our top customers. And the discussion was not really about the tracking piece or the device. And it, it was more about the fact that the amount of data that they have collected, they see that as a value that is critical for them to utilize to differentiate themselves in the market, right? This outfit has even created a data science you know, team internally because they want to take this data that we collect. They want to look at you know, the, the, the gaps, the faults, and they also want to be able to provide that, that to their customers. So when they go into the customer, they're not coming in and saying, hey, by the way, you know, you could rent my trailer or you could rent my tractor and you could, I'll charge you two cents a mile or whatever they charge. Right. Their view is, look, when you actually sign with me, I'm going to give you a set of analytics and actions that are going to help you improve how you operate your business. That's how people are starting to look. This is how the big outfits are starting to look at that. Right. Because they see data as a major part of their business model that not only can they create differential for themselves, but they could actually create additional revenue out of it because they are able to sell that information, that those actions to their customers as value that they couldn't do in the past. Yeah. And I want to point this out. I remember I read a book a few years ago and I thought it was very interesting. We've always had data, but it was in file cabinets, literally file cabinets. I'm, and it'd be in a folder in a file cabinet. I had all this information. And some of it was very good, right? Or we had it in our own database that was online that we had that we didn't share with anyone else, which was fine because there was no, you didn't have a computer powerful enough to do the processing, to do anything with that information. We also didn't, so so we might have had an algorithm that would give us value, but we didn't have the computing power. We didn't have all that data accessible. Having it in a file cabinet or having it in a database that's not connected to 
the algorithm does me no good. So we've kind of gotten to that place in our evolution here where we have the computing power, we have the ability to create these algorithms, and all this data is now accessible online. And it's it, the impact is enormous. And I think one of the things uh, it's happening so quickly, a few years ago, if I, somebody came on my podcast, I would make a big deal of saying, Tell us a little bit about your AI. How's that work? How's your machine learning work? And now it's just that it seems like every other company says, well, yeah, we have to utilize it. But Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't say it any better, Joe. I mean, the reality of it is that, you know, when it comes to companies, right, they, they realize that, that, they're, that they're creating a huge amount of data. The problem, to your point, was that in the in the past, all of us were collecting the data. The computing power was there. The technology like AI and ML didn't exist. And, you know, we could have 10 podcasts about what AI really is and what ML really is. At the end of the day, this is personally my, my view, right? To me, that doesn't really matter. What really matters is the output that comes out of our right. analysis, right? As a, as a business owner... What I really care about, okay, so you give me, you know, 20 terabytes of data. So what? How is that impacting my business? What are the changes that I got to make? And the prescriptive mechanism is really what CEOs, CFOs, CEOs are really looking for, right? They're looking for companies that are going to come in and help them change the way they do things. Companies that are going to shift them and, and say, look, you're doing this wrong for this reason, and by the way, this is not subjective. This is what your data is telling us, right? That is the big differences that I think are starting to happen. Some of the big logistic companies in the in the in the market, they understand that they have to have a tracking device. They understand that you know that they have a they have to have an ELD uh, device that they got to have some cameras in their in their in their vehicles to be able to you know create safety for the drivers and so on. But eventually. You know, it's all about making money. It's all about running a business. And they want to know all of this stuff that I'm putting in, how is that going to help me run my operation more effectively and more efficiently? And this is where prescriptive comes in because now we're able to create value for them in those areas that they couldn't before. Yeah, it happens so quickly. We, 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 we Again, you could be really stuck in the old five years ago where you're like, hey, I'll tell you where your stuff is. Yeah, as you said earlier, I love it. Table stakes. <laughs> yeah, one thing that is that is interesting, Joe, that I, I think is also good to point out is that in order to deliver true predictive and prescriptive analytics, it's not about a single system anymore, okay? Because the world is not a closed proprietary world, right? It, it has to pick up data and you know from all these different either systems or inputs, right? So in order for me to really affect and give you true, you know, information about an action to run your business. Now I got to tie not only the tracking information, the asset information, the maintenance information. I also got to tie the financial information, right? I got to be able to run my operations, even the way I buy products and, and things of that nature. So when we're talking about predict prescriptive, in order for, for us to be able to deliver true value to a customer, you got to take all these inputs that come in from all these different subsystems, all these dispersed sensors, and be able to bring it all together, analyze it, and come up with that effective change that you want in your business. So the world, I see it also changing, where you know there's still a lot of what I call proprietary systems in the market. We have to move towards openness, right? 
Because right. as a customer, you don't want to be locked into just one data type. You don't want to be stuck to one just system. You want to have everything that you possibly can communicating together so that the analysis is done at the best possible way and the actions that come out of it take all these inputs into consideration in order to really give you the best possible way. My analogy is like you going to the doctor, right? If you have a headache, your stomach doesn't feel well, right? You know, maybe your blood pressure is not correct, etc. The doctor has to take all those inputs from all those subsystems in right. order to say, hey, this is what I think you got. And this is what I recommend you do about it. It could be maybe a pill or it could be a surgery. Ultimately, that's what we're trying to do with the technology that's available now. Yeah. And you know what I think is interesting, and I think we're heading very close to this, is when, when there's companies like yours that have that end-to-end. So you have you might be tracking their forklift at their DC, then you're tracking it on a truck, and then it gets to maybe a final mile carrier. So you can be say, you can tell them, I tracked it every step of the way. First, first mile, first mile, middle mile, final mile. If you had something inside that uh, that product palette, whatever they said, it was on a forklift for this long. It was in a truck for this long. It was on final mile delivery for this long. You can start to say, I can manage my inventory better. And when you can reduce your inventory costs, and that is something that we never talked about in logistics and supply, you know, the logistics and transportation people, we are outside of that conversation. Now I think we're suddenly able to kind of reach in and say, hey, we have enough information. We can help you better manage your inventory. And that that money is like found money. If you can reduce inventory costs, life is good. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's all about, you know, impacting every aspect of it. And in order for you to be able to impact, you know, a company, you have to know all those pieces. Right. This is again goes back to the ecosystem of systems that need to come together. What you will find in the market is that in order to get that end to end solution, many companies have a certain type of system at their DC, right? They have certain systems, you know, in the logistic area within, in the cab and in the trailer and in the asset. And then the last mile is done by something else. Our position on that is that there's two ways to handle that. You could go with one company that is able to provide you everything. Or you could pick the technology provider that could bring all those things together for you, right? You can't expect a company to just go drop everything and say, well, you know, the, your $10 million of investment that you made in these systems, you got to get rid of that in order to come to get this level of technology. We're looking at it a bit differently. We're saying, look, that would be great if we could provide you that end-to-end solution because there's a value associated with that in the, in the integration, the data, and so on. But if that's not possible... Why can't we be above that, take the data from all these different systems and be able to still deliver this level of value to customers? So that's the way we see it. But in, but to your point, in order to give that value, you cannot be thinking of just one piece of the logistic chain anymore. You got to think through it completely and you got to be able to bring all that data together. You know, it's always been a, an annoyance of mine called pet <laughs> peeve. When I came from the supply chain side, I was worked in automotive. And so when I came to logistics and people would say, well, we have visibility. And what visibility meant then was I know when it picked up because I got the EDI transformation information into my system. And I know when it delivered because I got EDI sent. That was visibility. We called it visibility, transparency, whatever you wanted to call it. Obviously, that's very basic now. Some people would say I'm giving you visibility, but you're giving them visibility on 
two days of information from your factory to your customer. And that supply chain might be 16, 18 weeks long from order to cash. And I think we all need to, in the transportation logistics business, recognize that our supply chain customers, the big customers, the General Motors, Procter & Gamble, (laughs) Walmart, these companies are looking from order to cash. And then they're looking and saying, how do I reduce the time and the handoffs and all of the errors that are between order and cash so I can reduce that? Because that's how they make money. More times they can they can reduce that order to cash from 18 weeks to 14 weeks. They make a lot more money every year. Yeah, and that is, uh, I mean, that falls into, you know, uh, having worked for the large organizations that I mentioned earlier is all about operational efficiency, right? Yes. And I mean, and there's tons of money that is put into systems, you know, in order to allow that to happen. Now, the reality of it is that they only cover maybe one or two pieces of everything right. in the whole entire value chain, Right. Too many silos. Too many silos, right? And this is why we believe in the fact that the data is the key. Unfortunately, the world is not built as one holistic ecosystem. So that data is is broken into different data types, is broken down into different systems, etc. But moving to an open standard or moving to openness is really going to allow that visibility that you keep talking about to be more effective, Right. And then by taking some of the new technology like AI, ML, with the computing power, crunching all the data as fast as you can, throw the proper algorithms and the proper use cases, because every customer might see different different things, right? Then eventually you're going to get some recommendations of what are the improvements. And that is one key thing that I, I think is important to mention as well, Joe, is that when you talk about standards, you know, you put everybody on the same playing field. I think that that is fantastic. But ultimately, your operation and your competitor's operation or someone else's operation are different, right? The systems have to be open enough to be able to take into consideration how you want to run your business. What are the most important aspects of that you want to look at? There's many systems that are built with this standard in mind or that everybody's the same. There is some truth to that. But ultimately, you want to have the flexibility to say, hey, Mr. You know, supplier or my technology partner, I need to change some things because this piece of my business is critical to me, right? And maybe your system doesn't apply it the same way as somebody else. So keep that in mind. And as, as, as some of the listeners start to think about some of these ideas, right, that it, it, there's a lot that needs to be thought through. But ultimately, you want openness, you want flexibility, right? And you want data acquisition to happen holistically to be able to get the best type of prescriptive analytics that you possibly could get. I love it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to summarize this topic real quick, and then I want to get your final thoughts on it. Then before you go, I want to talk a little bit about what PowerFleet's up to. So again, today's topic, Beyond the Data, with my friend William Sandoval. So William, you talked about PowerFleet 20 years ago. You guys had something probably really innovative and probably still is, but the the tracking. And we all thought, that perfect. You, so you could track my forklift to make sure we were being safe, make sure it wasn't going on a trip down the street, right? You could make make it more efficient. It was It was probably very high tech then. And as you mentioned earlier, now it's table stakes. So you guys would work with industrial companies, uh, logistics companies, and then those final miles companies. And having having that visibility was fantastic. And as you described the the evolution of our, our 
data has gone from descriptive, like where is it, where is it and what did it do, right, to diagnostic, which is kind of more the real time, to predictive, like, hey, those 12 trucks are going to be late, are going to deliver late, or those 12 trucks are stalled or whatever the whatever the situation was, to now, as you said, is this is now moving into the predictive and the prescriptive, from predictive to prescriptive. And that's where, so the idea that data just was good enough is no longer the the idea that our customers have. So give us your final thoughts on this. Final thoughts is that as a business, you have to start considering the fact that the world has evolved, right? And even though some of the things that we just mentioned in this podcast seem like, hey, we heard these things before, right? The technology wasn't really there, right? In some cases, the openness of the data acquisition was really not there. The, the, the fact that, you know, everybody thought about making everything the same as opposed to listening to the customer and really considering their things. So, you know, from a nutshell, technology is there, right? There's plenty of data in the world that we could acquire, right? It's a matter of taking the, the step towards picking the right technology partners that could actually bring all of that together for you, right? Consider what is important for you to run your business and go from a predictive type of model to a prescriptive so that you get the actions or, or recommendations of actions for you to take in order to improve your business, make it more effective, more efficient, effective, efficient, and more importantly, it's going to be able to allow you to grow. Excellent. Excellent. So William, before you go, what's new over at Powerfully? First off, who do you guys serve? Who's your, who's your sweet spot in the market? Well, it, you know, we, we cover, we, we're a company that is global. We have offices everywhere in the world. Like I said, we mentioned uh, New Jersey is where our, our um, Montvale, New Jersey is really where our corporate headquarters is based. But we have offices in Brazil, Mexico, Argentina, South Africa, and our center of excellence in Israel. So we cover a gamut okay, of companies. In the U.S., we're very, very strong in the logistics side of the equation. We have some of the top you know, customers in the world, you know, are here in the U.S., you know, and uh, we cover them. Shippers or actual logistics companies? We actually, uh, primarily we work with logistic companies, right? And uh, But, we, you know, like I said, we do cover a, a, a broad spectrum. So we we do deal with some shippers, but primarily it's logistic companies. That is our sweet spot in the U.S. In the rest of the world, we actually do cover the class one through five very well especially around stolen vehicle recovery, because, you know, those the parts of the world are a little bit different. You know, security is a bigger issue. So we do play in that in that part of the world globally. In Israel, we've taken it to the next level where, where we have a major emphasis around electric vehicles now, where we're starting to see the evolution from a device that collected data to a vehicle that collects data, right? <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's just getting bigger, right? So again, I don't think that there's one specific market that, that we could say we're better than one and the other, but we do play in a nice spectrum across the class one through five, six through eight, and of course, in our industrial sector as well. Yeah, and the way I look at that is car, van, and sprinter. Those are the final mile guys. <laughs> and then and then the big trucks, obviously, and then the forklifts. And I think this is, again, you mentioned it being end-to-end, and I think that's going to become... I know you probably play very well with other stuff. Somebody says, hey, somebody else is tracking our our forklifts or our final mile. You don't care. You're, you're a d- data aggregator. Say, look, we'll pull it into a system and give it to you. We don't care who tracked it. Yeah. And that is actually, you asked me where, 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 where is Powerfully? Powerfully, you know, is evolving, right? You know, the power of digital transformation is really where we are. 
you know, that's a kind of a cliche when you say, you know, power of digital transformation, but we actually want to make it real, right? So, you know, for us is we could deliver that end-to-end solution across those three verticals for a customer that might want that. But we also realize that it's important that as a, as, as a company that wants to move into that prescriptive model, into that predictive model, we have to bring all those ecosystems together. So whether you actually get our own devices or you are using somebody else's devices, our world is data acquisition. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to go. We see that that's the most important aspect to change how customers operate their businesses. And we want to be one of the players and one of the companies that is able to do that for them. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the the data acquisition, you know, how we collect the data with the sensor. That's changing so, so much now. So, you know, I know we have, uh, you can scan something inside of a, a, you know, we have the barcode, right? So you can scan that. But we're also having trackers like the Tive trackers. We also see the Project 44, all these kind of, there's all sorts of companies that are out there. Somebody told me the other day that the cost of RFID is coming down. Somebody else told me the next day that that's not true. I don't know. <laughs> but but I do know over time, we're going to have better better ways to actually track this stuff and to your point we really don't care how it's collected we just give it to us (laughs) yeah i could tell you that you know uh, based on what i see and you know um and having been in you know in the industry for a long time uh, when it comes to the hardware you know the the pricing is, is is coming down technology is definitely becoming you know less expensive and at the same time it's becoming more powerful Right. You know, in the past, you know, we can only deal with so much data. Now the devices are, are massive little tiny computers that are able to do all these different things. Right. So this is why we as a company, Powerfleet, understands that the value of all of these things is the data that they provide. But, you know, customers don't care about data. What they care is about tell me how to change that to information that affects my business. So when you ask me where we're going, that's where we're going. We're, we're spending a lot of effort, time and money on research on making sure that we evolve the market. We continue to provide that end-to-end solution and the hardware that is necessary. But ultimately, you know, we definitely want to be that integrator that is bringing all those pieces together so that we could provide that level of prescriptive analytics to our customers. Excellent. Excellent. So William, how do we reach out and talk to you guys over there? What I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile and a link to your website and any other links you give me. But what's the best way to connect with you guys? Well, I mean, basically, you know, the easiest way is like anybody else, you could just go to our website, of course, right? And you could actually go to the part, you know, where it says connect, you know, with, uh, with contact us. You could put all your information that goes to our marketing group, that goes to our sales group, you know, because of this transformation that we're making, you know, we are working very closely with some of the customers and trying to understand what they need. But the first step for anyone is contact us through there, right? And uh, we will definitely get back to you and, uh, and start the conversations about what level of transformation you want to make for your business. Excellent. Are you guys going to any conferences coming up here? Yeah, I could tell you that uh, we got quite a few coming. You know, I don't have all the names but, uh, in, in front of me, but our goal is to be able to start, you know, showing the market, you know, the transformation of us uh, as, a, as a company, as an organization. Again, we believe in the data and, uh, and the best way to do is to actually show it to customers 
And uh, we got, I think, a couple of things like freight waves. I think it's one of those that we're going to be, you know, I know that's going on right now. Yeah, it's going on right now. So if you hear this, that'll be over. <laughs> but that's good that you're there. Yeah, but no, but we're going to be going to the next one. I think it's in, in the fall term. And I yep. think it's, it's going to be one of the, the shows that we're going to show a lot of these prescriptive mechanisms that we're talking about and how we actually bring ecosystems together. Plus, as you go through the website, you'll see over the next, you know, several months, there's going to be additional changes for making to show how all of this stuff we just talked about is reality and how we can make it available to customers. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. It's, it's, it's amazing what's happened and how quickly it's happened. And I, I, you guys are right on the cutting edge of it. Well, I, you know, Joel, thank you very much. You know, it, it's been a fantastic opportunity to catch up with you. And I know that we talk. In, in, in many cases, very high level. It's, it's hard to get down to the details, but more than happy to take another step, you know, towards getting into more of the details and even showing some customers what we're able to do. So, you know, from my perspective, thank you very much. I really appreciate you inviting me to the show. It's been a, a pleasure to be part of it with you. Excellent. I really do appreciate what you took took us through today because it it is interesting that journey that the data is happening. You know, it's the, the descriptive diagnostic predictive and then prescriptive. I was like, yeah, that's where we're heading. So I like it. I learned something <laughs> new today. Thank you so much, William. I really appreciate you taking the time. No, thank you, Joe. I mean, like I said, it's been a pleasure and uh, looking forward to doing more of this with you. Yeah. And thank all of you for listening to my show. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.